Are you an HR department of one trying to figure out how to balance task and strategy while keeping up with changes in regulatory compliance? Do you need a fresh outlook on old topics? Then stop what you're doing, grab your coffee, and get ready to recharge. If you have people, you have problems to solve and things to do. Your host is Brenda Neckvottel, a 20-year human resource professional, ready to explore the HR industry with veterans of business and life with fresh eyes and new ideas. Learn about the rapidly evolving changes in employment law around the country, as well as new tactics to deploy and build engagement in your workforce. If you're looking to implement new practices to make your job easier in HR, then this podcast is for you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Best Practices in Human Resources podcast. My name is Brenda Neckbottle, and if you are a first-time listener, I am so excited to welcome you to the show. Thank you so very much for joining in, and if you are a returning listener, thank you, oh my gosh, for continuing to stay on this journey. Um, It's absolutely fantastic and very, very fortunate. All right, gang. So today I've got a fun guest. Um, like none of my guests are ever fun, but this guy is really fun, and uh, and he's a fellow podcaster too, which makes it really nice. So he probably sounds better than I do. <laughs> I'm sure he's got better equipment than I do. Anyway, I would. I'm gonna I'm gonna call out his first name, but I'm gonna have him explain the whole thing after this. So I'd like to welcome Chris to the show. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great, Brenda. Thanks so much for having me. Oh yeah, you're very welcome. Well, welcome. Yeah, I'm I'm so excited to be here. And like you were saying, uh, my name is Chris. I was born Christopher Lewis Cockrell. And that sounds like I'm going somewhere else with this. But no, I got a Hungarian background. My mother was Hungarian. And she calls me Kristoff. And Kristoff is a lot more unique than Chris. There's an infinite amount of Chris's, it turns out. So when I went with my podcast name, I went with my first and middle name and then my first name that my mom and that whole side of the family calls me. So thus, the Christoph Lewis podcast was born. And I think it's <laughs> always so cool to talk to other podcasters. It's really fun. So thank you. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. So you are my first podcaster on the show. You do. Well, on this show, you're on my first. On this on show. The other, yeah. yeah, on the <laughs> other show that I had, um, we invited... Uh, our first guest, and uh, that was none other than David Rutherford from uh, Team Never Quit Podcast. And very from, cool, very cool. Yeah, so that was a lot of fun. He was our first, mm-hmm. although he had just left the show. Um, mm-hmm. It was it was a lot of fun having him on. But it's awesome to have you on. Yeah, and it's so awesome to be here. I'm very excited to talk. We've talked obviously a few times offline, and I've really enjoyed what you're doing here. Oh, well, thank you. I think what you're doing is pretty awesome too. So, so we won't we won't have this like coded conversation, so people know what it is that you do. So, Chris is a uh, Navy veteran, and uh, you know, as you guys have probably read on the title of the episode, we're really going to be talking about if you're a business that wants to focus in on hiring a veteran, or you're faced with hiring a veteran, and you want to you know, kind of bone up on some things. That's really what we're talking about here today because the, the veterans are pretty fantastic folks. Um, they've, they've really, they've antied up in life. And, um, and but they also that. kind of, yes, and some antied up more than others, that's for sure. But, um, 
you know, bringing a veteran on board into your organization, it's not that, you know, they're they, they are so drastically different that, you know, you treat them like they have a third head or something like that. But, it's, but <laughs> you know, there are some special things that come with the veteran. And so we're going we're gonna to kind of talk about that. But before I do, I would love for you to tell everybody about your podcast, what it oh, is, okay. and how you got started. Because it's a cool story. And I oh. want them to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would love to talk about that. Thanks for bringing that up. So uh, like Brenda was saying, I, w- I was in the Navy for nine years. I served predominantly in naval special warfare. I was an electronics technician by rate. So my job was to do fun, techie, nerdy things. And I got to do that in a very special community that's near and dear to my heart now. That was very challenging. And I got to do a lot of work in stressful environments, to say the least. Mm-hmm. And So as I progressed through my nine-year career, I grew more and more and more as a person because of these these experiences, that these very unique experiences that I had. And towards the end of my career, about seven years in, I started really getting into more of a leadership position. And I was really, really struggling with not being able to save everyone. And I don't know how that comes ah. off. I know you can't like save everyone, but I would have so many like sidebars with people that I was, uh, that were, were working with me that I was, I was leading and I was just wanted to save everybody. And I heard a lot mm-hmm. of people complaining, not only in my division and my work center, but just in the command that I was working at before I left. And I always give the example, like I would pass somebody in the hall and say, hey, how are you? And I would genuinely like want to stop and be like, hey, how are you? Um, Because I don't want to waste our time. And I just want to legitimately know how are you? And people would just give me the most mundane, monotonous answers and just not be happy with where they were. Another Navy day, another, you know, whatever, another beautiful day in paradise. Uh And so this, all these little disturbances in my life, I really took to heart and it was very important for me to articulate to the people that I worked with and that I was trying to lead that, hey, I know you signed a contract here and you have to fulfill that contract, but that contract does end. So I mm-hmm. started about five, I think five months or so before I got out. I got out a year ago this month and five months before I got out in March of 2018, I started the podcast in hopes to encourage people to pursue different careers if they so choose to. So I was never encouraging people to leave the military. Like if it was right for you, then so be it. But I went out there and my first interview was with a stock trader that was very not proud of his former life and wanted to make a better life for him. So it was a great okay. example for me to like have the inaugural conversation as I call them to be like, this is a guy who didn't like his background. He was putting his life and his family's life at risk. And now he turned it around and he's a stock trader now and he's bartending on the side. So I said, regardless of if you are in the military or you're a civilian and you want to change your career when your military career or your military contract ends, you have the ability to go out there. So I've literally I just recorded number 90. So guess number 90. I'm at podcast 123 or four. And I have all these examples of like there's I mean, there's definitely a few repeats of guests like type of guests but nobody has been repeated and they're all like from crazy different backgrounds all over the spectrum. You can absolutely wrap your head around. A lot of them are military. A lot of them aren't. And I just want to encourage career transition and to just, I always explain it as like 
showing people real life examples, like breathing examples, human beings that have gone out there and that have just not succumbed to a monotonous life and not succumbed to, well, I guess this is my life, like that have gone mm-hmm. out there and have made something for themselves. And mm-hmm. so that was like my goal of like giving examples, because sometimes if you don't know that you can live a better life, maybe you don't. So I really wanted to teach other people. And then selfishly, I was so hungry to learn from these people myself. So all these podcasts are just definitely for me as well. And I'm just so excited that I can capture those and share it with the world. And that's kind of how it started. There's probably a couple other things that I could think of if we got there, but that's that's it in a <laughs> nutshell. Isn't it awesome how when you've got a thirst for knowledge with other people, what you what you get out mm-hmm. of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, absolutely. I've, yeah, I've always found it to be just absolutely fascinating. I mean, the conversations that you have with other people and you just if you just stay quiet for a few minutes, it's amazing what you learn. Oh, you're, you're absolutely right about that. And I've learned so many things after being a host for that many people, 90 people. And one of the main things I learned was to listen to people. And I had a very tough time with it. Not that I wasn't a good listener, but I had a a hard time listening to thought after thought, sentence after sentence, and being able to remember that and then regurgitate that and articulate myself well after that. So it's taught me to listen and then be able to answer uh, those questions even better and answer their thoughts even better. It's been such a learning process. It's insane. It's bigger than I ever could have imagined like the more than reading any other books and i love reading i really do but more than most things i've ever done in my life podcasting and meeting people like yourself has been insane no thanks you that's yeah yeah, i can imagine that coming out of the environment that you you've been in and not i'm not talking about the command but the deployments that um one thing that i see with the veterans that i work with and and i work significantly with the veterans that are in your community Mm -hmm. specifically Mm -hmm. in naval special warfare um that the challenges that exist as a result of tbi traumatic brain injury Mm -hmm. um i remember i was talking to he was a uh, lieutenant commander no excuse me he was a commander so he was an 07 and he was uh we were chatting about some things that he wanted uh to pursue in life and out of nowhere, he just started physically shaking. Mm. And I looked at him, mm-hmm. and he just looked at me, and he smiled. He goes, it's just the mileage, dear. It's just the mileage. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I asked him, I said, how many times have you been blown up? And he says, I have the second highest number of recorded TBI marks on my brain than anybody else in this community. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. So That's he got blown up quite a bit. Yeah, exactly. And uh, he's a, he's an awesome guy. I love talking to him. He's such a he's so much fun to be around. But and it's but it's interesting because he's he has a very good grip on on mm-hmm. his situation, and he he recognizes it when it starts to surface. So mm-hmm. in how he speaks to people, <clears throat> um, how he is in the world, he's very quick to pick up on the changes that are taking place with him that he may not necessarily have control sure. over sure. and, and um, redeploy, you know, I mean, he just, mm-hmm. he reengages the world. And mm-hmm. if just like that day when he just started shaking and, and I looked at him and I was just like, Oh my God, what's going on with him? And he just said it. He's like, yep. He's like, it's all good. He said, don't worry about it. I got this under control. I'm like, okay. <clears throat> and I talked to him every now and again. So, you know, it makes it, uh, 
it makes it makes that particular community even more special to to see the after effects and it's not as glorious and glamorous as a lot of people seem to think it is so and that's well, a pretty good example yeah, why no, you're absolutely right and that's a very very humbling example at that but i ah. think this, there, there's so much obviously with the uh explosion of social media and soft movies and nsw movies it, it seems very glamorous and that's the way obviously they're going to portray it for mediums of that character but yeah i think one thing or a couple of things that i got from that example is that you can have these bad after effects um quite that's a, that's a nice way to put it but um you can have these bad things that you know are going to happen in your life and then you said that he was able to recognize them right so mm-hmm. I, I think that speaks just for so many things in our lives that we can have these these just things that come up in our life that haunt us right and if mm-hmm. we meet them head on and we know that how we're going to act when it comes on and afterwards and all of these things that come with whatever that trauma is or whatever we're dealing with. And I think that's really important to, like I said, meet it head on and then understand how you're going to react from that and be able to control it better. So maybe it's going to happen regardless of what you do initially, yeah. but be able to um, just deal with it a lot better and be able to control it. And if he was able to do that in front of you, like start shaking, like, that's crazy. You might be thinking like, are you okay? Do I need to take you to a hospital? What's going on? But for him to relatively nonchalantly say like, hey, it's okay. I got a handle on this. I think that speaks a lot for him. Yep, it does. He's a neat guy. So <laughs> that's pretty amazing. But you know, but that's kind of, I mean, what now his situation clearly is the extreme. It's it's mm-hmm. the exception. Mm-hmm. It's not the rule. Mm-hmm. But he's not much different than you know a lot of other veterans that are out there um you know i I mean granted you know with the mass amount of tbi that he has which is really going to impact him later in life i mean it impacts him now and he's Mm -hmm. in his early 50s it's really going to impact him much later in life it's you know his his memory already has challenges and yeah um, that's scary yeah yeah it does i haven't been like blown up but gosh i have my own stuff I, i i get it it's scary yeah, but but I mean, even still, it's it, you know the military is learning that even with the uh, you know practices and the concussive rounds that take place, just even from being on the firing range and the shooting range for hours on end, mm-hmm. you know those things do impact you after a while. But <clears throat> you know every veteran um, you know experiences something to where it, it's going to impact them in the long haul, and the and the more resources that the government is putting towards the study of veteran well-being while they're in the military and, and getting a baseline and um, really focusing in on the long-term effects of a military career. Um, you know, it, it's good that the, although we're behind the curve as a country on it, the people are still, they're starting to now get some unique benefits. I mean, the sure. even though there's yeah. a lot of work to be done at the VA, but yeah. the VA is yeah. starting to open it's, their it's, eyes more. It's got it's gotten a lot better, and I can say from personal experience. And I, I I've told you guys. So if you caught, I've been out for one year, and when I mm-hmm. I'm like a I'm a planner. I don't leave anything to chance if I can. And even before I got out of the Navy, I had all my VA paperwork submitted. I got out of the Navy. It was all lost. So there is a that that does it did still happen but then the VA got a new system they have another company doing it or a third party doing it somebody else is doing it and when they realized that it was lost when this new 
party or whoever came in and did it, I'm telling you, they just knocked it out left and right. Boom, boom, boom. Set up everything for me. Like even paid the miles on my, you know, for my gas to my, or my appointments and everything. And they really took care of it. And it was just done in like a couple months as opposed to the year that it had been lost and I couldn't get a hold of everybody. So they're definitely making forward progress on that. And I would encourage anybody, especially if you're a veteran, you are getting out, you thinking you're going to get out or you've already got out. I would highly encourage you to, if you're intimidated by the horror stories that you heard of the VA, I am uh, one of those living, breathing examples that they have really made it better. And I would highly, highly encourage you to pursue it, especially now. And more importantly, especially if you are, if you're a veteran that's gotten out within a year, because there's certain different things that you can uh, be privy to. Yep. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so, and we, you know, we kind of really got into the weeds on this, but sure. it's not necessarily, I was like, we didn't, we didn't shy away from anything, did we? We just jumped yeah. in feet first on this I'll, one. Yeah, I'm all about but, it. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, and the thing is, is that um, employers shouldn't be, I know a lot of people want to do great things for veterans because of what they have done for our country. Mm -hmm. And, and that's fantastic. But I think, what some people may wind up doing <clears throat> is starting to, how do I want to say it, kind of uh, put a persona or put, how do I want to say it? You know when you regard somebody as mm -hmm. being a certain way? So sure. like some of these like personality tests, right? So if you look at DISC. Yeah. Right, yeah, just because yeah. you're familiar with disc, right? Yeah. So you're you, you can be a high D or a high I or you know a combination of a somewhat high S and a low C or whatever, right? So everybody starts, or even better, at Myers Briggs. Every like you ask, have you done a Myers Briggs? Oh yeah, I'm an INTJ, you know. And then and then they yeah. label themselves. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. And so yeah. so there's this perception that although it's good to learn about those things, it's not good to sit there and and classify yourself mm -hmm. as something mm -hmm. or agree. not. And I'll I vote. think, yeah, and I think sometimes what happens is that when people are talking about a veteran, the first thing that goes through their mind is, okay, is he going to PTSD his way through my company or what? You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. I think people need to be very careful about that for a couple of reasons. Number one, they don't know what the person's background is, but even second, and this is something that you probably don't know about, but, you know, from an American with disabilities standpoint, if you regard as somebody as having a disability, they're actually like legally protected from discriminatory action. So, mm -hmm. you know, you want to be careful about that, but you just go back to the human factor of it is that you can't say to everybody that served in the military, whether it be Navy, Marines, Army, whatever, you can't sit there and automatically assume that, just because they've had a full career or a partial career mm -hmm. like yourself mm -hmm. that they're broken. Yeah, absolutely. No, you, you, you definitely uh, can't assume anything about anyone regardless of what they've done. That's one of the biggest things that I've ever learned in my life is never to assume something about anyone. And I don't care if you're a veteran or not. You have no freaking clue what people are going through. Right. And when someone is a veteran, like you said, regardless of what branch you're coming from, regardless of their experiences, like two people can experience the same explosion, the same firefight, the same trauma on a ship, on a base, 
I don't like I said, I don't care what branch you're in and have the completely different traumatic results because of that. Right. So we experience everything differently. So there is just no way that you can look at somebody and say, well, they've done this or they've done that. And so they probably are like this or are not like that. Right. Exactly. I mean, that's like looking at a picture on a dating profile and say, oh, that person yeah. looks nice. And that's then you the find one. out they're like the spawn of Satan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's really unfortunate for people that do that. But I guess that's part of the fun. <laughs> it's, part, it's part of the experience, I'm sure. But um, but yeah. So, you know, you now you got out and then mm-hmm. you actually relocated to another part of the country. Not far, but part of the, a different part uh-huh. of the country. But can you kind of go through like what you're and you're employed as well as podcasting yes. and, you, oh, yeah. and how many times do you, you, you broadcast your podcast, what, four times a week? Yeah. Is that what I you st- told? Yeah. Not to get too far track, but I started with one a week for the first year and then I got super antsy and I went to two and then I quickly went to four and I'm pretty sure I'm done with four a week. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I just, I have two, so <laughs> I can imagine, but, um, but not to not to get sidetracked here, but sure. um, but can you kind of walk through or share with some folks what some of the experiences that you mm-hmm. had during your job mm-hmm. search? What were mm-hmm. kind of your thoughts? The you know the things that you focused on or didn't focus on? Can you can you help people understand what you experienced when you got out of an environment where you were comfortable and you knew what to expect into the world where all of a sudden you went, Oh my gosh. <laughs> what yeah, <did> absolutely. <laughs> I'm more than happy to talk about that. Yeah. So I think, I think I'm kind of an anomaly because I got out in 2018 and in December, I remember specifically in December of 2015 is when I knew I wanted to get out and I started studying for the single job. Yes. I had my sights set on one job from the very beginning. So essentially two and a half years, I set my sights on one job. I didn't even look anywhere else. I told you, I don't leave anything to chance. And I know that might sound like I put a single point of failure on this, but I put the card so much stacked in my favor. And I knew I just did so much overwhelming amount of research on the one position that I wanted to do. It's an information technician. Like I'm a, I do more IT stuff now. And I studied all this time. I I was just so ready. So I think typically people are really nervous about transitioning out. And I just did my, my, my dang best to be able to mitigate as much of that emotion as possible. So by the time, I guess, let's see, I'm trying to do the math. I think it was like six months before I even got out my EAOS. So my last official day in the Navy, I had a job like, that is very yeah. rare. I don't it typically is. hear about that. Usually some people, because I talk to a lot of other people that are getting out at the same time as me, and they wouldn't even be able to get an interview until a month out, which to me, that's way too close. So I strategically <laughs> looked for companies that were willing to hire early. I spoke with those recruiters. I spoke with people that I knew already worked there. So going back to my time in Naval Special Warfare, that's a very special breed of people. They literally recruit for that specific area and there's a very special type of person like a mentality that goes there so i knew that if i enjoyed working at a place like this and i enjoyed working with these certain people that if those people left the military and went to work at another company i could kind of use that to vet that company 
So mm. to me, that was really important. Just like you have to imagine, like if you don't know anything about me, but you know my best friend really, really well, and you trust my best friend, and which is your friend as well, and then you don't know me, but we meet, then you have a certain level of trust for me already because you have that right, trust right. in this person. Yeah. So I looked like, and the reason I give this whole example and dive deep into it, because I think it's really important when you're searching for a new job. And again, regardless of like coming out of the military or not, but if you know people in that, yeah, and just like start wide, right? So do you know people in that field or like career? Okay. And let's like slim it down a little bit more. Do you know people in that company or do you know people on that team or, or whatever, right? So you mm -hmm. slim it down as much as you can and you do as much of your due diligence as you possibly can. And it ended up, I knew two people that worked at this company, which I very much trusted and I very much enjoyed working with before. I knew they were hard workers. So when they had been there one, two, three, four, five years, I knew that I was, it was pretty safe to say that if they stayed there for that long, that I would more than likely enjoy it be challenged and also enjoy who I was working with as well, because that's a huge thing coming out of the military in particular is you're working with a certain type of people and yep, yep. it can be intimidating. Like you, one of your questions was like, well, walk us through how it was when you first got out. And at first I was okay. And my wife thought I was crazy. She's like, when is he going to blow up? Nothing's <laughs> He's like, like, like nothing happened, you know, like I was totally sane. I was like going about my day. I didn't even talk about it. I was like in the military one day after nine years and then I wasn't in the military. And then it hit when I went to my first day at my job, I was still fine. And then I was walking around in civilian clothes and I was looking at just people dressed however they wanted for the most part, you know, in, in comparison to what I was used to. Sure. And, and I was just trying to figure out what the heck did I do? And, and, and I, I say that it had such an impact. And if you remember, I yeah. said two and a half years, I prepared two and a half years. I asked myself, is this what I really want? And I, I, I should say that I really much <laughs> enjoyed my time in the Navy. Like I really did. One of the hardest right. decisions of my life was to get out of the military. But for me, I want to get out. I have a six month old tomorrow. She'll be six months tomorrow. Yeah. And uh -huh. I wanted to be around for the family. So as much as I loved going to work in the military, like, I literally love deploying and going out and doing the mission out forward in a different country, but I also want to see my girl take her first steps and things like that. So it was really difficult. And I think all of these emotions and this two years of preparation and having a job for six months before I got out, and I was so thankful for that. And all these emotions swirled up and my train was going 100 miles per hour. And I got to my first day at work and the train got derailed and it crashed. And I was like, holy crap. What did I just do? <laughs> What's going on? And I came home yeah. and I was like, my, my wife's name is Jordan. And I was like, Jordan, I don't know how I'm feeling right now. I, and I just had all these emotions that I probably should have felt a little bit more just come out. And I don't think necessarily that I was bottling them up. I just think I'm the type of guy that when I, I, I don't really truly embrace and get the full gravity of a situation until I'm finally experiencing it. Like I'm the guy that doesn't get excited for a trip until like he's, he lands in on the desert Island somewhere and you're is, on the airplane. Has, yeah. has a beer in my hand, you know, or something. So, um, so I think that's what happened. So I, I would just encourage anybody like no matter how much you prepare, cause I feel like I prepared a lot <laughs> more than probably the average person. You can still have this, this real sense of uncomfortability in, in, in an alien like planet almost. 
And you just have to know and, and think about all the reasons why you made the decisions that you did. Right. And you did all your due diligence, like we talked about. You did all your vetting. And ultimately, like people talk about your why. And your why is so important. Like I, I brought up my family, and that's very near and dear to my heart. I've wanted a family for so, so long. And I had one, and I didn't want to lose that. And I wanted to be there for all those moments. So when I thought back to that, it, it was very simple. And on day two, I was good to go. But day one was very tough. <laughs> so I'm going to apologize in advance. I got so I have in the beginning of the show, I always introduce that I've got uh, Lola and Champ. Lola is my veteran comfort dog that she likes to hang around and she tends to bring right. guys yeah, out of the rafters if they start getting a little nervous when they come over here work. Um, <laughs> not that coming here to my house is something to get nervous about, but she just kind of tends to do that. And you know what it's like because, you know, a lot of guys are in the red and she just tends to bring them down into the green just by being around. And then yeah. her lovable companion is Champ the Wonder Dog, who is speaking up right now because he lays, <laughs> there's like uh, too much information, he lays on the air conditioning vent on the floor and he either protests thing. that it's not cold enough or that it's not on. So he's letting me know <laughs> that something's, so that he's not happy. So <laughs> just shut the door. <laughs> I've, I've got a golden retriever and I, I swear she just does so much to make me feel better. You know, I don't. I don't claim yeah. her as a as a as a helping dog like that, but she absolutely, absolutely does that for me. Well, there's there's just something about pets, but um, that actually we're gonna have that conversation with another Navy veteran talking about oh. uh, the dogs <clears throat> and and you know look if you have to bring somebody on board that has a comfort pet or a legitimate one. <clears throat> we're going to talk about that another time so i don't want to i don't want to steal that thunder but <laughs> so so i love how you're talking about the reality hits you mm-hmm. and yeah. <clears throat> you know that's a that's a very it's a very personal experience to go through mm-hmm. um it's not i mean i you know the years that i have been recruiting um and talking to veterans about various positions People that, you know, I've talked to that are going through what you went through that have not gone through a transition program outside of mm-hmm. TAPS. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> they, yeah, I did, I did do something similar. I, I, I yeah. failed to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, um, you know, when I talk to them and I'll, I'll start saying, like, so what is it that you're looking for? And they're like, I have no idea. And, and they just haven't, they haven't taken the steps or they haven't had the time to process emotionally and mentally what it is they're preparing to get into in the next stage of their life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're fortunate, but you, you still do the same thing that everybody does in mm-hmm. a transition like that is you hit that wall like, oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? <laughs> and even when I've taken a new job, I've done that too. Mm-hmm. You know, I start doing something and then I'm like, what the hell did I just do? <laughs> you know, and yeah. if you don't through that i'm gonna tell you right now i don't care who you are if you don't go through that in life then you know you've you've got some sort of you you've got a blockage i mean if it doesn't it should scare you a little bit and it's perfectly fine to get a little scared about it you know so you know if you had now so I don't want you to say anything negative about the company that you're working for, but what <laughs> did you did you make your company aware of what it is that you were um, experiencing during change, or did they do anything you know, to prevent you know, you the, any the, type? 
transition? Sure, sure. sure. So the fortunate thing about where I work um, that will remain nameless, but uh, I work for a larger IT company and one of the one of the most incredible things about that, if you remember, I said I had two friends that I worked with in NSW that went and worked with there. So I didn't end up working with them particularly, but I went to a team that was just just full of veterans from all different services. And I think it's because, um, well, it's a, it's a few reasons. I'll, I'll leave them out of this podcast in particular. But um, one of the reasons is because I think those people just really, they want those challenges. They want to continue to be challenged because one of the things that comes up a lot in my podcast is at least people are just like, what do I do? I I, I don't know where to go now. I I don't know. I don't know what to do. Um, So I think, I don't know what the percentage is, but there's, there's gotta be at least like I'm on a team of maybe 30, 30 individuals and there's maybe at least 10 veterans out of that. And um, mm-hmm. there's, you know, Navy, uh, every branch. So I think to be able to have that connection there, um, very, one thing very real in the military is if, you know, we, you've gone through similar things, you've gone through boot camp, you've gone, you, you've been through it to some extent, there is some kind of connection and connections are obviously really right. real with things and experiences that you've gone through with other people. So when other people that you have never seen before, you know, they've gone through something, you can have you can relate to them in some kind of capacity. And to me, that was really important. So to answer your question, the company didn't necessarily do anything in particular, but even my hiring manager was former air force and we went behind closed doors and I was like, man, I was really good until like just a little bit ago. And it's really weird. And he's like, yeah, it is weird. Right. (laughs) And, um, you know, he talked me through and he was really kind. And that's not to say that a non-veteran wouldn't be able to be like, hey, what's going on? You know, there's obviously right. people out there from all over everywhere. But um, people that, like I said, have gone through what you've gone through to some extent have that more of an understanding. And it was more comforting, more importantly. So it was more comforting mm-hmm. coming from somebody that had gone through that and then having other people on my team that I could talk to. And then, like I said, it really, for me, it only lasted about a day. It was like this uh, shell shock for one day. And I went on about it. Epiphany. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, because it just, it got really real. I mean, it doesn't, it's not real until it's, it's, it happens for me at least. And, uh, so as I said, it just nothing really in particular, uh, through the company, I'm sure there may be some programs out there, but I think just what's so encouraging is that to know that there are people out there that have experienced what you experience. And if you just ask for help, like I could have kept it into myself, and not told anybody at work, but I had faith or I took a risk or however you want to quantify it. Like I talked to my hiring manager and I said, Hey, um, this feels weird. And, uh, I, I just feel really out of place and I don't feel comfortable. And it was just, it was just, I think diving even deeper into it. One of the most re or one of the reasons I was most uncomfortable is because I was in the military. I had rank people could see like on my chest, like what I had done to a certain point ribbons and awards and things like this, things that I had just worked very hard for or had, uh, unfortunately had experienced and, and they had been awarded to me and people have certain understanding of what you've done because of that. And there's something that comes with that. And I'm not saying you are what your uniform is and, and what your uniform says and what's on your uniform. However, people 
understand that stuff when you're in the military. So when you're, you're, you're not stripped of it, I've made the decision to leave. But when you don't have that identity, I guess is what I'm mm-hmm. saying anymore. Right. Right. And, and he, nobody knows who you are. They're just like, Hey, there's the new guy. He, they don't even maybe know I'm from the Navy or anything. And that I was in for nearly a decade. And so you lose a sense of identity and that's one thing very difficult to struggle with. So I think you can do all the preparation you want to do, but when you lose that sense of identity, it can be very weird and difficult to deal with. And for me, and I would encourage other people's, but obviously we deal with things um, all all very differently, but we I would encourage other people to talk to somebody and open up right. and hopefully somebody that you can relate to and, and help ease that transition mm. because I, I felt, like I said, it was only a day. So after I had spoken with him, I was a lot better for the next day. Yeah, well, that's good. So... What would you recommend from your experience when people are talking to a potential veteran candidate? What are some things to keep in mind? Like, And there's another subject that I, I want to call out that I want you and I to get into. Mm-hmm. And that is, it's it's probably more towards the, it may be more towards, you know, the veteran audience itself, but I think it's pertinent for for the folks that are listening in now, the business owners and the business operators, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. but if they're if they're interested in getting into hiring veterans specifically, what are, what are some best practices? What are some recommendations that you would give them to keep in mind when mm-hmm. talking to veterans who are looking for positions in companies? Yeah, sure. So I would just start with like I think we had touched on it a little bit earlier somewhere. I'm trying to remember the context, but. I think we were kind of saying, like, regardless of what people go through, we all experience things differently. So I think that kind of, at least in my mind, similarly or coincides with when you're hiring somebody that's experienced something. So I haven't been a hiring manager before, so I'm not necessarily sure what they may or may not know. But if you Mm -hmm. do know that that person is a veteran, that I would just very much encourage, like, um, to... And I don't I don't know if we're talking about like if we're treating people different ways or asking them different questions. Is, yes. is that what you're yes. saying? Yes. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think I think we can all agree that nobody wants to be treated differently because of our background and, and, and assume anything. And I, right. I'm just trying to think back to all of the interviews that I did because I had to do a bunch of them. And I don't feel as if anybody treated me differently or asked me different questions. I think they this is the job that I wanted to go to. They knew that this was the job I wanted to go to because I was sitting there in front of them and they asked me questions in uh, particular to that job. Now, I will say that I didn't have all the qualifications for that job and I got it. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you how, because being in the military, like I said, we endure a lot of stressful situations and somehow by um, PFM, and I'm not going to elaborate on that acronym, but on on PFM, (laughs) we make things work. And Um, I was able to use many, many of those experiences to help get through my interviews because a lot of the interview questions are um, experience based. Like, tell me about a time you did something like this or something like that. So um, for both, I guess this helps for both hiring managers and people that are looking to be hired. I think it would be very beneficial because maybe that person can't answer a certain technical question or one of the questions that you're trying to ask. However, if you can say, what have you done under certain situations and tell me about a time when you did this and really understand what makes this individual tick and how Mm -hmm. they react to these stressful situations and how they are able to flex and be able to pull an audible and shift left and right and do all these things real quick 
I think that would be very helpful to understand what kind of individual have, you know, do they have integrity? Are they coachable? I think these are very important things. So when you're able to say, tell me about a time when you did this and this individual tells you what they did and you can tell it's a no BS answer. It's actually something that they did because I believe you can see that genuinely when somebody has lived through something and they tell it with such, you know, passion really about a situation i you know and regardless of how simple it is so i think if you're vetting in that manner and you're allowing somebody to completely articulate themselves based on experience on what they have done not what they would do then i think that would be one of the for me it was one of the most beneficial ways to be like i know i'm not technically up to par for this job but i know through all these other questions that I can show you like those things I said that I'm coachable, that I have integrity, that I'm willing to work hard and then I'll do what it takes to get the job done because many times in the military, we don't have an option not to get the job done. So if you're asking questions, you know, in that direction, then that guy or girl is going to more than likely be able to give you those answers. And if they don't, then maybe they're not the person for the job. But I think that gives encouragement to people not, you know, now on the reverse end, not just the hiring manager, but the individual that wants to go work for such a company that's hiring people like that. Oh gosh, Uh I I don't know if I have what it takes. I've been in the military for X amount of years or, you know, maybe 20 years or 30 years when that's all you knew was the military. And I don't know if I have the exact skills that they need, but I have a lot of leadership ability or, um, you know, experience. I have done all of these things and I've done in really tough situations and I got it done with not a lot of money. I can guarantee you that. And I got it done with probably 30 year old tools and I am very coachable and I can get it done. So I think I can see if I was a hiring manager, that's the individual I want. I'm very huge on integrity and coachability. Yeah, yeah. And if I was somebody coming out of the military, if my if I knew those are the kind of questions coming towards me, that gives me a fighting chance where I can at least keep my head out of water, give them as many examples as I possibly can, and at least show them that I'm willing to work and I'm willing to bust my butt to be able to work for you and that that's what I can promise you. And these are examples of when I did that for the military and our nation. Yeah. Yeah. I think some, so the piece that I really wanted to kind of share with people and, and I know you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about is that, cause I'm sure at some point you've kind of experienced it yourself in a way is that, you know, the military has very specific skill sets that <clears throat> not everybody is able to figure out when they're asked a question, how do I translate that into a way that a potential employer understands it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? I, well, yeah. yeah. Well, I would just say, first of all, you definitely, and this may seem obvious to a lot of people, but you don't want to be like military jargon, mil, you know, acronyms, all of those things. You want to at least, you want to do your research. I mean, if you truly are going to a, you know, a civilian company that has no government affiliation, you got to do your due diligence on like, or, or talk to somebody that has never been in the military. That's your friend or family and have them like ask you some regular questions or, or you, you kind of spout off some examples of when you've gotten certain jobs done under stressful times or just, you know, uh, on a tight deadline or something like that. And if you articulate yourself to this family member that's never been in the military or this friend that's never been in the military and everything makes sense, like that's a good indicator. That's an easy way to, to do that at least. Yeah. And I, and I think people need to understand that, you know, when you're dealing with, especially somebody who's a career, I mean, Mm -hmm. you're talking about, 25 
20 to anywhere between that 20 to 30 year mark, even, even, even the, you know, 10 year mark that there's a certain level of institutionalization that takes place. And so if you're asking questions that are not able for them to successfully tell their story and and in a comfortable manner, you're not going to get a very good answer. And so what I mean by that is that, so like, you know, so I've, I have now, I'm on my 13th coaching my 13th fellow now at the honor foundation and the honor foundation is a transition program for thank you for um anybody who's been in special special ops and special forces uh in any branch of the military at this point and it first started off we were working with navy seals and so that's how it all that's how i got involved in the community and so um you know, I, the first class I would listen to people say, well, you know, I had this interview and it went, wow, but, you know, they were like, you know, like, so tell me about yourself. And it's like, yeah, no, <laughs> it's just, they don't do that, you know, yeah, and yeah, they're yeah. like, I don't know what to tell them because the only thing I know about is bombs, bullets and bodies, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was like, OK, so you can talk about so, yeah. your steps I- in the career, like you how you started when you yeah. went to you know, buds and did your A school and all that stuff. I said, you can talk through those points, but eventually you're going to want to know what you bring to the table. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I think one of the thoughts that I had when you were saying that is I think it's very important to continue and maintain and work on your individuality while you're in the military, like have things that you do on the side. So I think if you get to a point where all you know, like you said, uh, quote unquote, is like bullets, blood and all that stuff then Mm -hmm. yeah maybe that was your life but i just think it's very healthy to not just have one thing and some people may argue that and that's fine i do believe in our individuality and our uniqueness and i think that's what makes us human and um but i also believe in having like i said things that you do on the side like i work a day job i have the podcast on the side even when i was in the military i had the podcast on the side and i spoke to people outside of the military so i think if you get to a position where all you know is one thing then that's unfortunate. I hope you will have done something on the side. However, if you do find yourself in that spot, then I think as long as you speak from the heart about what you have done and the experience of you've done, I, you just, I'm very huge on, and I've said it many times, you need to be able to articulate what you've done in a manner for somebody else to be able to transcribe that, to understand that. So like I said, I would encourage people to just maintain that individuality outside of the military and don't put yourself like don't pigeonhole yourself to where right. that's all you do. That's all that's all you have to talk about, because not you're not going to really they're not going to get that job. I'm sorry. Like this isn't like some fluffy duffy, you know, like you, I'm going to yeah. tell you always what you want to hear, not or what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Right. So I'm not going to tell you that. Oh, uh, it's really unfortunate that that's all you can talk about. I'm like, unfortunately, you might not get that job if that's all you know. Like I said, two and a half years before I got out, I didn't know any of this. I needed to know Linux. I needed to know all these computer languages. I didn't know any of that. And mm-hmm. so all I knew was military. You're, you are you are absolutely right about that. But I knew I couldn't just do it only on my military experience. Yes, I knocked it out of the park because I was able to utilize those experiences but right. also how to deliver technically speaking as well to show that, hey, I put in the work. If I'm going to tell an employer that I've been working on this for two years, I better have some technical aptitude to be able to show them, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. 
and you know i think too is that you know as employers are going through this and they start to hear what like exactly what you're talking about right mm-hmm. to the things that people who mm-hmm. who are applying for these positions should avoid doing but <clears throat> most importantly is i think employers have to bear in mind that if they start to hear that happening because if anybody who's paying attention to this is going, yeah, I've seen this before probably, mm-hmm. and they're thinking like, okay, so how do I get around this, right? Because we're all about finding solutions to challenges. So, um, you know, I think what happens is that people have to figure out in their interview process, even though if you have a standardized interview process and it's not really more of the behavior-based interviewing, which is mm-hmm. tell me about a time sure. when you had sure, more sure, things sure. to do than enough time to do it, right? And so therefore it tells their story. Then they need to take the question and alter in a way that it it opens a door for that person to be able to to figure out how does how does my experience apply to what it is that you're doing? Because see, that's when you when an adult learns in the world, we don't learn just to take in knowledge and regurgitate it. It has to be applicable. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it and it's a little bit of a paradigm shift. So the questions that are being asked. If you're not getting what you're looking out of, of somebody with a background like yours or somebody who's in soft or is, you know, in the elite sections of the military, you're going to need to be able to restructure your question. Ask the same question, just come at it from a different angle. So that way that person can say, "Mm, okay, now I can apply my experience to this. Yeah, because so, it now yeah, makes sense because they struggle figuring out how to tell you how they did their job when their job was defending the nation and taking out the bad guy. Yeah, that, you're absolutely that right. That doesn't happen at Amazon's operations and logistics departments. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it just it doesn't it doesn't work that way. So they're trying to figure out. Okay, so I'm I'm up against you know I'm having a, an interview with Disney or I'm having an interview with this company. And I have no idea how to explain this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like a part of good leadership, though, right? Because you can't treat. It's funny. We live in a world where, you know, everybody wants to be treated equally. And I absolutely believe in that. However, in a management position or if you're a hiring manager, you you have to talk to people differently. Right. Because not everybody's yes. going to be uh, really responsive to the same type of leadership and that's again what makes us unique and we should embrace that however as a manager you need to be able to recognize that so even further as a hiring manager with somebody you've never met before then obviously you don't want to have these preconceived notions of what that person is or isn't like we were talking about but at the same time you need to be able to on the fly be able to pull audibles like maybe this person isn't responsive to these type of questions but i do see some potential here so maybe let me kind of shift where i'm coming from on the fly and be able to better lead in the moment this person it doesn't just because the person doesn't work for you that doesn't mean you can't show that type of thing because at the same time you have to think like this person's vetting you too does they do they really want to work for you right so it's an interview really the both both ways because if i didn't enjoy the people that were interviewing me for the company i work at now then they may have hired me or said they wanted me but i would not have worked there so i think it's really important to notice that it's not a one an interview isn't just one way right yeah I, you're absolutely right and i think it's going to take it takes a little creativity to be able to talk to the various people that comes from yes. a wide yes. variety of backgrounds you know, I, and but 
I love what you said earlier, and I wanted to share this hilarious story with you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I think that everybody in the audience is going to like this. So uh, we had a guy that I have no doubt was in the Navy at one point in time. And okay. um, I don't think he was uh, in this community <laughs> as he said he was. Imagine that, right? <clears throat> if you've been around this community, I know. And you've been around the community long enough, you run into your, your share of posers. And he definitely <laughs> was one of them. So he had, he was always talking the lingo. He was, and, and it was getting, and he was doing it with other veterans, but then he started doing it with other people and, and his personality was a little overwhelming. So he was somewhat of a, a little bit of a turnoff. We actually eventually wound up calling him tall tales. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. <laughs> well, tall tales, um, caught me and another guy who was in the Marine Corps. We were looking at something out in the back of the building and he started telling this obnoxious story about how he was on the SEAL teams in Vietnam, and then he decided to go and become an F-4 fighter pilot <clears throat> in the course of a year, which I was thinking, like, how is that even possible? And I didn't even know anything at that time. I mean, this is like, you know, 2003. And uh, so <laughs> his story was that he took on, he was doing a strafing run in Vietnam and took on small arms fire, and I'm thinking, how far off the deck are you moving at the speed of an F-4 to take small arms fire to where a bullet penetrates the cockpit and hits your leg? Because that's what he said. So he said he successfully somehow got out of his plane. I don't know. I kind of was just thinking through the other first part of it. Said that he was uh, wheeled to the hospital. This is where you're really going to love this. They amputated both of his legs put his legs inside a baby incubator next to his bed on life support where when what? he woke up he would watch his toes wiggle and then they wheeled him into surgery and reattached him <laughs> holy smokes no i've never heard that that's a, that's a, that's a first Did you not? yeah wow <laughs> so i looked at him and i looked at the marine i'm like i need to go <laughs> i got stuff i gotta do so about six months later he leaves and and it just it was like that story did it for me it was just it's just oh, yeah. kind of like I'm, I'm definitely gonna put some distance here between the yeah. two of us because i i can't handle this i and, believe uh, you up till the phantom <laughs> toes and then i had enough <laughs> <laughs> So six months later, you know, I'm talking to the location general manager and the regional vice president about this. And and they mentioned his name and they said, yeah, he told the strangest story to us the other day. I'm like, oh, dear God, did it have to do with an F4? And they're like, no. And then we started comparing notes. <laughs> like, did he really say that? And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> he was serious about it. So, you know, it's it's those guys, too. And I say that story. It's, it's funny, and I say it in jest, but I say it seriously, too, because it's guys like that that, mm -hmm. put, that put veterans in a position to where, like I said earlier in the show, you know, people question whether or not veterans are going to PTSD themselves, you know, in the workplace or if they're going to have a breakdown or they're going to, you know what I mean? And it's just, it's like guys like that give hardworking honest veterans that are trying to get through life after experiencing what they've experienced, especially, you know, in the fact that, you know, we've been at war nearly for 18 years. Um, yeah. You know, it gives, it, 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 it gives bad perception and not every veteran's disabilities are visible. And so, 
you've got tall tales here <clears throat> where people don't really quite know to whether they should believe him or not. And then you've got, you know, John American over here who really is going through some problems. Sure. And, you know, that makes things very complicated in the work because the question at the end of the day is that you may not know anything about the military, but who do you who do you really believe? Now, I'm sorry. If somebody tell you that they cut their legs off and then they stick them in a baby incubator and watch their toes wiggle and then have them reattached, clearly. <laughs> That's wild. Perfect. Yeah. But some of the things that they may learn, they may not know exactly how to plug those in. And so, you know, my recommendation for something like that is, you know, reach out to an HR professional or reach out to a professional, mm -hmm. you know, in a particular community who's well-versed or network amongst other military leaders that you may have met along the way to talk about these things. Like, can you, can you really help me understand what this person may be experiencing? And they'll yeah. do it. They'll work yeah. with you. Absolutely. Cool. Well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. So do you have anything else that you would like to share with anybody about the topics that we've been kind of talking about? Anything that you and I have kind of missed because we've been we've been doing this pretty unscripted tonight. No, this is cool. I don't I mean, I don't know how they usually go, but I've I've very much enjoyed this. I think it's been really cool that we've been able to jump around and I think that's like the fun in it. You know, it's not sometimes <laughs> like life isn't straight, right? It's like life is so crazy oh, no. and it bounces around. So let's like have some freaking fun with it and let's talk about some serious stuff and some fun stuff too. But I've really loved the depth of our conversation and I'm so appreciative of you having me on here. And it's very cool to experience because I don't actually talk about a lot of this stuff on my podcast and it's kind of like I mean, we, we cover a lot of it, but some things on here that I haven't really thought of, um, and they were so, they were really good questions about like the whole, how you really, really dove into the hiring aspect of it, like from a hiring manager's perspective and how we were able to talk about that. It was just, it was really enjoyable and it made me think about it too on the fly because some of those things I haven't thought about. And I just always, like I, I say so much on my podcast, but I think, I, I, th I feel so strongly about sharing one story with the intention of helping somebody else. And it was so awkward for me to talk about it at first and just very weird mm -hmm. to be on the, the social medias and, and talk about mm -hmm. these things. Yeah. It's, so, it's so important to share that because of course there's somebody else that's going, I guarantee you, may, and maybe even somebody that listens to this podcast, but there's somebody out there that started preparing for a transition two and a half years before they got out. They were mentally fine all the way until the day that they got out. And the first day at job, that they kind of went crazy for a whole 24 hours and then they calmed down. And now, yeah. now they're like, I am still kind of trying to figure it out myself. So that's my life. I'm living that. And I guarantee you there's somebody else there There's like that. So you're never going to be able to capture that person or meet that person or find out or just know that somebody else is just knowing that somebody else is experiencing what you're experiencing is just mm -hmm. relieving in its own self. And so I'm very mm -hmm. appreciative that you got me on here to be able to talk about like, I always talk about other people on my podcast, so it's kind of cool to share a little <laughs> bit more about me. Well, that's good. Well, I really appreciate it. So, so Chris and I are doing a podcast swap. So right. I'm going to be, he's going to be interviewing me soon. Yes. So I'll keep you guys posted as to when that's going to happen because this conversation isn't over with, which is really that's awesome. Right. So our episode together on his show mm -hmm. is, um, I'm not going to tell you, you're just going to have to show up and listen. So, um, <laughs> But if people cool. want to, <laughs> I know I'm evil, yeah. right? Um, so if people want to hear what what your show is about, how can people find you? How can people find your show? How can they reach out and contact you? Yeah, absolutely. Let them have it. So, 
Yeah, so there's there's a there's a few different ways. Um, I'm on Instagram. That's where I'm most active, and the best way to find me on that is Christoph Lewis, K R I S T O F L E W I S. And I'm pretty active on there. I post every single day, and I just have a lot of fun. I have my website, ChristophLewis.com. You can find all of the podcast stuff there. And, of course, the podcast is on any major podcast app, you know, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, all of those things, uh, Podbean for Android, all of those things you can find it. So Instagram, website, and any place where you find a podcast is where I will be. <laughs> well, thank you so much again for joining me. This has been absolutely fantastic, and I yeah, think people are really going to appreciate what you brought to the table as far I as so. helping other veterans land positions in their companies. Yeah, I really do hope so. Thanks so much. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that segment. Um, today, I want to uh, do a spotlight real quick on one of our affiliates, uh, Legal Resources. Legal Resources is uh, a really awesome benefit that you can actually provide for your employees. You can work to either have it be an, an employee or an employer provided benefit and it allows your employees the opportunity to go ahead and seek out legal advice um, under a particular plan with certain types of pricing available and uh, discounts specifically for things like trust planning, drafting a will, and other, you know, specific legal requirements. And and you guys can check out legal resources by clicking on over to bestpractices.work at the website, click on the affiliates link, scroll down to you see legal resources and link on over. And if you want a formal introduction by all means, reach out to me and I'll be happy to go ahead and help you guys shake some hands. Um, we've got workshops coming up October, November, and December. Uh, this is a great opportunity to get set up for these. Um, hiring ta for talent for employers and workshop. We've got a couple opportunities in October coming up. We've also got in November kicking off a successful new year. And we also have uh, in December helping grieving employees through the holidays. That's going to be a, a pretty uh, strong workshop because not every, just about every employer has at least one or a small handful of those individuals. So you can register for these events today at bestpractices.work by clicking on the events link and then just click right on over into each segment and you'll be able to go ahead and register for the event. Now we have new courses that are coming out. They're not quite ready yet for release, but on the HR University by Best Practices, Currently, we have Understanding Generation Z, which is the newest course that was released. We have Hiring Talent for Employers, and then we also have an overview of the American Disabilities Act for Employers. Now, when we release a new course, there is a 5 for 50 special, which basically means that it's 50% off for the first five days after the course is released. The new course discount will expire, but you are able to take advantage of the special offering by clicking on the HR University at the top of the bestpractices.work website and logging in and taking the much needed information. So what's going to be coming down is that we're going to be releasing individual courses and then we're also going to be releasing boot camp bundles as well. We're focusing in on general HR compliance in three different segments. And then we're also doing government contracting as well. So that's going to be a different uh, boot camp segment. But we're going to keep you tuned in when those things are coming up. And then also um, two books that are available for you guys. The Holy Cow, I Have to Complete an I-9 book. And then Holy Cow, I Have to Talk to My Boss. You guys can also go ahead and purchase those books both online at the website or you can jump onto Amazon and grab them over there as well. 
So email me your HR questions. This is uh, pretty awesome stuff. I love answering these questions. I get really good ones. But you can go ahead, jump on the website, click on the podcast link from the menu, and down towards the bottom of the podcast is a submission form for you to actually post your question, which I may read and answer on an upcoming episode. Not to mention when you sign up for best practices and have those things delivered to your inbox, those best practices, you get a little free gift from me as well. Now you guys can follow me and find out what is going on in my world on a couple different places. So you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook at Best Practices in HR. You can also find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Brenda Neckbottle. And again, my name is spelled N-E-C-K, like the thing you want to choke. V as in Victor, A-T-A-L. And once again, you can go ahead and Find more information on the bestpractices.org website. Jump on the mailing list and you are going to get the latest and greatest of best practices right into your inbox. And I really want to, again, thank you guys for taking the time to join me today. This has been yet another fantastic episode. You guys have a great one and I will talk to you next time. Take care of you.